everybody, and welcome to episode 285 of the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast. I am your host, Jim, and I'll be going through three digital books tonight. And I just want to step aside a second and say that this podcast, the Odd Number Podcast, that will be coming out on Friday nights, if you're not aware, if you haven't listened yet, it's just me. Eric is not on board with this. And these are books that we don't talk about on the bigger show, the show that comes out every Sunday night with me and Eric, whether it's because they don't necessarily fit in with the show or that we ended up talking about them at one point, not liking them and dropping them or things like the black label stuff as more and more books come out or the digital stuff that we'll be talking about tonight that Eric just does not read. So we can't really talk about those on the big show, but I do want to let everybody know you should go on Sunday night and listen to the big podcast. This one is more of an intimate deal, a shorter podcast. It's going to be somewhere, you know, usually around an hour at the most. And I also won't be cursing. So that that is a plus if you want to listen to something with the youngins around. I don't know why they'd want to listen to me babble on, but hey, maybe that's their thing. But I want to tell you before we jump into these three books, I want to tell you where you can find us all around the internets. We're on the Twitters at Weird Science DC. We also have a website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, and we also have a Patreon account at patreon.com slash weird science now the patreon is set up so if you enjoy what you hear you can support us with the patreon but not just support us you'll also get a ton of other shows a lot of dc comic shows a lot of marvel comic shows and a lot of other things not even comic related there are a lot of shows in april we actually had about 80 episodes of different shows mostly going through comics going through trades individual issues things everything has a theme one of the things that i am doing as of now i am going through with some featured characters of the month and the dc one is star girl and i'm going to start going through her series actually when i'm done this so we also have sales and solicits podcast we end up having things from the golden age the silver age the whatever, the Purple Age. Is there a Purple Age? I, I think there is. Is there? How uh, dare you? There is not. But what I'm going to be talking about tonight, and I will also mention real quick because it kind of ties into this. Each week on the Patreon, we have a Patreon-only spotlight where we talk about two books picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh Cool People. And this week, one of the books, one of the new books that they picked, was Deceased the Unkillables number three, the end of the Unkillables mini series. So if you want to hear us talk about that, which, uh, a spoiler alert, me and Eric both loved and both gave nine out of ten. So if you think, boy, I never hear these guys like anything, unfortunately, that was picked by the Get Fresh Crew, beep boop, so you'd have to go there. But that's what ties in. Also, did Swamp Thing number 56 as a little tribute to Reggie. Uh, because that was an issue that he always told me I should read. That is the Alan Moore Swamp Thing number 56, My Blue Heaven deal, where Swamp Thing is on a blue planet, pretty much making a life of his own there and until it rains and things go wrong. But the unkillables is what leads into what we're going to start with tonight, because what we're going to start with is the digital-only Chapter 1, Deceased Hope at World's End. And this is a book where it was a sudden 
mystery, surprise. I said in my review, it was as if they thought they were some rapper. I, I always hear these rappers just out of nowhere drop albums. And I, I always think to myself, well, that's not the greatest thing to do. Aren't you supposed to hype it up? Aren't you supposed to let people know? But that seems to be the way. The two things that have changed really in the bunch of years now, and as I'm getting older looking back at this, is the idea of being able to marathon a television show in one night if you wanted to when it comes out. That obviously is something new and has changed the shape of things. But also these surprise things dropping. And it really, I'm telling you, when I heard the one time, and I forget, maybe it was Drake one time. It was somebody, and I don't mean Tim Drake, really. I'm one of the lucky ones. And uh, so this idea of all of a sudden you don't know something's coming out. Now, that makes sense maybe a little more in this whole COVID-19 shutdown, corona deal. But still, you would think you'd get some hype. Well, when I ended up reviewing the Unkillables number three, which I Again, I really, really enjoyed. At the end, I thought and said in my review, listen, after the first deceased, you know, miniseries, the six issues there, I really wasn't that hip on the whole deceased storyline. I thought that that really, it seemed generic to me. And I'm a Tom Taylor fanboy through and through. I really am. But that deceased, the first six issues, everybody loved it except me, it seemed. And Eric didn't like it as much either. But it just didn't seem like the Tom Taylor that I that I love. The Tom Taylor with the character moments that really hit you and make you fall in love with characters that you didn't even know you liked, let alone love. And so when Deceased then, and they announced the whole Unkillables, I wasn't really down for it. I actually thought that it was too much too soon. Oh, my God, they're going to pound this into the ground, almost like a white knight where I didn't like Curse of the White Knight as much. Now I'm starting on shaky ground already, not liking Deceased, but we end up going on Killables. I didn't like the first issue, second issue, love, third issue, love, then I'm ready. I say at the end of my review, I need more Deceased now. Out of nowhere, I need more. Finding out that as I get done the review, they have just surprise dropped this digital, and then I have to step back and like, really, that's like the first time I ever got instant karma of asking for something like that and getting it. And I was really, I was a little worried because I was counting on the next deceased thing being dead planet where we can wait a month or two. I would even like to wait a little bit longer maybe, but you end up having this drop and just sit there and like, well, you know, that's, that's odd. Now, is this going to be too much too soon again? Is this, or will this continue me being hyped up for the whole deceased thing after the unkillables and this is taking place in a time frame near the end of the first deceased story and then filling in a gap and then eventually after that we'll get to that dead planet all of these things going on and i still think that maybe they're going to the well you know a little too much too soon but i can't blame them because of the shutdown and all these things going on you're going to want to try to grab what sells, what people want, and give it to them. And I really do like the fact that this is a digital only. I know that the other two books I'm going to talk about, which actually is going to be Batman Gotham Knights and the Superman book, those are digital first type deal, but those are you know repurposed from the Walmart giants. This is legit, boom, digital only. And if you had gone to our website when we first started or even at bits in the beginning of our regular big podcast 
I would talk a lot about the digital first lineup that they used to have from DC. It used to be every day had a digital book. We're getting back to that. And yeah, the repurposed stuff, it's not hitting as hard for me, but seeing this deceased deal has me getting hopes up that we're going to get more and more of these digital first, digital only things going on. And I, I love it. I actually really, really enjoy the digital stuff as an aside to the regular books coming out. I'm not saying I want everything to turn digital. I'm talking about these sort of series, things that I used to love. Batman Beyond 2.0 was an awesome digital first series. You end up having the Smallville stuff continue as a digital first series. It was awesome. Batman 66, Wonder Woman 77, uh, even Superman Adventures, all these things where I have good, good memories where I have a smile on my face thinking about them. I'd love to have that back. Now I'm going a little too long for this. I just really want to get get that across that I'm really pumped up to have these digital first things coming out. And that's why we'll be dealing with it. And I, I will probably follow this deceased hope at world's end for the 14 chapters. As we go, we'll talk about this probably every week and see how it develops. Now, this first chapter, I'm not going to say it's hard hitting, not, but it, it actually gives you a nice little recap, a nice little, okay, let's get back in the frame of deceased, especially if you hadn't read any of the deceased and want to know what it's about. But even if you didn't read the unkillables, and you're like, yeah, I'll check this out. It's cheap. I'll look. It does get you back on board with a different point of view character, a point of view character I love. But here are the credits first. This is, again, Deceased Hope at World's End, Chapter 1, written by Tom Taylor, art by Dustin Guin, colors by Rex Locus, letters by Seda Temafonte. And we jump in, and again, you're going into a deal where it is Jimmy Olsen. He's our point-of-view character. You don't know this right off the bat, but it is starting a little down the road. He's hanging up some pictures. He's looking at some you know, negative things of... A lot of the heroes and things that have happened in the deceased and what will happen in the series. And he says, I never wanted to be a war photographer, but here we are. I don't know why I'm documenting this. It just feels like there should be a record, a record of this moment, the moment where the earth has gone to heck. I mean, really, everybody has been infected and who hasn't is going to gather up for a war, the anti-life war as we go. And this is a bit of recap this first issue to lead into something new and i even said it in my review right away as you go through it really does play off as a war comic as well as just deceased and you're trying to get away i think tom taylor is of the idea of just being oh it's just some zombie book you know yeah they say it's anti-life infection but it's just a zombie book and i like Jimmy as a point of view character, especially as a photographer here, and, and it does give it a different feel. It gives it a feel of it being documented, like he's saying, but also having some hope and, and just hoping things work out. But you start off where he's saying this. I don't know why I document it, but here it is. I have to document these heroes. I want them to be remembered. And you see pictures of, you know, one of the, the cutest ones here. And I do like Dustin Gwynn's art. I don't think it's my favorite art. I do like, and I think it fits the story. But really, when you see a picture of, you know, the times when they want to be remembered and you see Wonder Woman eating Oreos with Martian Manhunter, that has to put a smile on your face, right? It really does. And so when you're going through this, though, 
Tom Taylor is a guy who really likes to use jokes as character moments that you don't know are going to be important, but later on you realize they really got you behind characters. You ended up in the Unkillables, the tree lobster deal with uh, with Creeper and Solomon Grundy, that sort of thing. And this doesn't really have it. Again, this is more like a document type thing of what happened. I'm hoping that we get more into character moments after this. But you do go back two weeks ago. This is pre-infection. So you're getting a timeline set in here. And it is Jimmy going and talking to Perry. who's like, you know what, Jimmy, what's going on? You know, I, I used to make you fetch the coffee and things, but I just got this. Uh, you're a pretty good photographer. <laughs> you're a really neat photographer. In fact, this picture that you have here of Superman punching Darkseid in the face, how did you do it? I mean, you're right there. You're real close up. And and I think that this does a good job, too. I, I really, when I first read it, I'm like, wait a second. Why would that? But this is an alt-universe deal. So sitting there thinking, well, when was it that that would be then? Is that dark side war? Is It doesn't matter because it is a alt-deal. So you have that kind of is a nice little moment, but it is the last little nice moment that Perry White's ever going to get because the infection hits. The infection hits as he's looking at these photographs. He's looking there at the computer screen and he just kind of stops because he says to Jimmy, like, I can't believe you got the shot. You know, I don't know if I want to yell or, or kiss you. And Jimmy's jokingly. And again, I said there weren't as many jokes. There's a little. He's like, well, I hope you don't do the same, you know, at the same time, because that'd be weird. Somebody kissing me and yelling. I mean, really, though, that happens to me a lot at this Bone house, I, I have to tell you. But Perry gets dinged. Boom, he's infected. He's clawing out his eyes. You have Jimmy continue like, oh, you were just about to compliment me, Chief. I mean, why'd you stop? And then realizes, oh, my God, and things have gone wrong. The Daily Planet is infected. And I like this. We're seeing this a little different through Jimmy's eyes, but seeing the idea, yeah, a, a newspaper bullpen like this, would everybody would be around equipment that would infect him? And Jimmy's got to get the heck out. He's trying to grab people as he's going that aren't infected. And one of the funniest things to me, as an aside, is is Cat Grant. She's not infected. She never gets off her phone. You know that she's always on her phone, but she got lucky. She wasn't on it, but he's grabbing everybody as he goes, and everybody's changing. He's photographing this right away. Jimmy is showing you. He is a war photographer at this point on, and he is now documenting things where he is running, but also taking pictures. He's going, Cat, run, let's go, broadcast room. And they go in. Cat's about to look at her phone, but luckily Jimmy, and it doesn't infect him, through his camera, looking at the pictures he took, he can kind of ascertain that these people who were getting infected were actually looking at devices as it happened. So he realized, I like it. I think that that's a nice little setup so that you have the idea. Jimmy realizes right away he's a smart kid, and he ends up grabbing Cat's phone and throws it out the window. As it falls down, you watch, and then as it hits the street, it just hits among, you know, tons of infected. The metropolis is infected now. It's in big trouble. They barricade the door. And then as they get that, Superman does show up. And he is glad to see Jimmy. He's glad. He says, you know, why didn't you use the signal watch? And Jimmy in a heroic deal, which this already puts Jimmy in a heroic 
light because he saved everybody, realized what the infection was, stopped that from being, you know, including them that he saved. And then Superman says, why didn't you hit the signal watch? Jimmy said, well, I figured there was more people that needed your help, not just me. And he's like, okay, can you look after these people? Jimmy said, yeah, I can. He goes off to do things. And then this is where if you have read the first deceased mini, you'll know what they're talking about, how you end up having Captain Adam exploding. You end up having Green Lantern power saving them at the Daily Planet, which the Daily Planet was a big focus of that first deceased deal. And you have all this going on. And then you go quick. It's pretty much rapid fire of a recap, but not a recap. In, and then this happened. And then this happened. And we did this and we did that. It's more of the broad strokes. You do see that at some point, Batman, Nightwing, and how Jordan died. They say a lot of heroes died. You go from that, Captain Adam ended up exploding, end up having everybody destroyed, but the Daily Planet, at least the upper part of it, was protected. You end up even seeing some that survived. John, Damien, Lois, all those things, Flash, thing at that point. And you end up having Superman come and realize through Jimmy's eyes, realize that Superman feels guilty that he let this happen, that people on his watch end up happening and having a problem there of losing people and knowing that there's a possibility that he won't be able to go off with his wife and son, which is the case if you've read Deceased. And I, I hate to spoil things, but that did come out a while. But yeah, you end up having Superman go off. And there's some good lines where you end up having Diana show up and wants to ask Superman, are you okay? Because he's just there staring at in the Green Lantern bubble, staring, which the Green Lantern's also Dinah Lance at this point, by the way. He ends up looking and seeing Lois, seeing John, and, and probably thinking, I may not see them for much longer or whatever goes on. Diana comes to you and he's like, it's okay, I'm ready. She's like, ready for what? To help people. And that's what they go to do. And you end up having Superman, hey, get Lois, get everybody, take them to the Fortress of Solitude. And that's how you're going to deal with all that. And then they're going to go. But yeah, you end up having it, though, switch back then to Jimmy talking about how the world has just hit rock bottom. And again, it goes back to there should be a record, a record of this moment of these heroes. And now this is where you get some new things. You also see that Jimmy's cameras had some problems, all these. There is time passed. He's missing an eye. He's got the Deathstroke eye patch on there. So, yeah, stuff has gone wrong. But he says, I want them to be remembered. There should be a record of the sacrifice. I mean, I'm never going to forget what I was saved from. However long I live, I will live with the reminder. But I want everyone to remember the heroes who fought for the living after tomorrow. And so you're you're going to get this. And in a little aside, if it does go as far or whatever, you do end up seeing Poison Ivy and Harley. And if you ended up reading the end chapter, the third chapter, the finale of The Unkillables, you know that that's where the heroes or anti-heroes went and stayed in that Gotham sanctuary with Ivy and Harley. So maybe we'll even tie some of that. But he says, you know, I hope that people remember after tomorrow and then it ends. Tomorrow could be their last day. Tomorrow, the greatest heroes left on Earth try to halt the anti-life army. And you've got some pretty cool characters, Black Mana. You end up having Black Adam, Hawkman. It looks like there's going to be a lot of stuff going. And then it says next, prelude to the anti-life war. So you end up where it is kind of just a broad, like I said, a broad stroke. 
the idea, okay, let's get everybody up to speed on what deceased was. You know, you you can see here that if, even if you didn't read it, you ain't going to see a live Batman, Hal Jordan, or Nightwing. You see that Lois and John and Damien, they are separated from Superman. And yeah, there's more to it. And hopefully if you read this, and it'd be very odd to read this having not read the first deceased. But if that's the case, and you're even a little bit intrigued, then go read, you know, the first mini series, the first whole deal of deceased. I say then go read the Unkillables because I really liked it a lot more. But this is good as a start, and and again, it is a surprise drop. It just dropped out of nowhere. They just hey, and Tom Taylor announced it basically by tweeting out, hey, by the way. Right now, you can go get the series. It just came out two seconds ago. We didn't announce it. And it, it's not one of those things like when it hits, you read it and you're like, okay, I'm ready for more. So this issue, if it makes sense, this chapter is more of an announcement for the series to me than a really big must-read chapter one. So where it, it shocks me that they would surprise release this kind of does the hype job of it. Oh, my God, we're back to deceased here. It's digital, people. If you haven't had digital, you'll get used to doing that, everything. Now let's go. And I expect the next issue to kick into high gear. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to start getting a little PO'd. But right now, I think that this serves the purpose. And I'm going to give it a 7.5. I do like the art. I do like the uh, Jimmy as the point of view character. But... I, I need a little more before I am saying it's a must-read, though I am a Tom Taylor fan, and I do expect it to get to that point eventually. We'll we'll see how long it takes. We Well, we'll, we'll see. But I'm going to move on to the next issue, which is the Batman Gotham Knights number five. And this is going to continue Mark Russell writing some Batman. And he this is a second one-shot here, I believe. And it's okay. I think that the problem is that he needs a little more space. He needs a little more pages to tell a story. Maybe this could have been developed more. And I think that the other one that he did with Bruce Wayne finding out with the piece of craps that he hangs around at the old, uh, you know, the country club that they were bad, but then Joker gets involved. I think that needed a little more space too to really deal with the themes he's doing. And, And I think that what his other problem is, he, he obviously, everybody should know, he likes to do satire. He likes social satire. He likes social commentary. And I think that what happens in most of his books, like A Wonder Twins, uh, is that and even like the Flintstones or, you know, things like that, where he tends to kind of veer off from the characters to tell his story. And some people like that. The Wonder Twins to me was basically a series of one shots of social satire with the Wonder Twins along for the ride. And you may disagree. That's how I saw it. And that's not my cup of tea. So I didn't like it as much. I wanted some Wonder Twins, though. What are you really going to get from the Wonder Twins? But the problem I think here is when you have Batman, you can't veer far away from Batman. You need to have Batman. Batman's going to be the focus. But even in this issue, Batman does seem like he's just there going through the motions as the story should develop but doesn't and then just ends. And it is the Gotham Knights number five concrete jungle written by Mark Russell, pencils by Ryan Benjamin, inks by Richard Friend, colors by Alex Sinclair, and letters by Troy 
Terry, and I'll, I'll stay it right away. Ryan Benjamin's art's great. I love his art here. Well, you start off the story, and even with the narration, you start off with this narration. Every city is an ecosystem full of animals constantly battling for supremacy or survival. Any change in the structure throws the entire jungle into disarray. I, I kind of get the concept of what he's saying, but I don't know that it plays out really well in this issue. And I do think that all that was from is because he came up with this idea for the name of the issue. Hey, Concrete Jungle, that'd be cool. Because I don't ever see disarray really in this. I, I do see th- some things going wrong and it starts off. But again, the focus shifts at points. And then you just have Batman along for the ride because the whole story is set up. And maybe this is intriguing. I I can't tell because it doesn't develop enough. But I also think that when you have that one shot like this and you end up throwing something out there uh, that has some intriguing bits to it, and then they're not, you know, referenced later, it kind of annoys me because you end up having a lawyer, Cicero Jenks. He's the mob lawyer. He has been a mob lawyer representing every low life and criminal in the city. Somebody in Gotham has fallen asleep. They're not checking up on things because old Cicero Jenks, he's not a lawyer. He doesn't have a license. He never took or passed the bar exam. He's just lawyering up. He he is just rogue lawyer. Well, when is somebody going to check up on him? When when he ends up doing these cases, why is this a thing where people are looking into it? Well, they finally realize it. And where the twist of this all is, is since he isn't a real lawyer, now he can go on the stand and there is no attorney-client privilege. But the thing is, you know, you could kind of go against it. It, it, it ends up being like, Okay, that whole setup, it seems like a a weird way around, like too much of a setup just for what we get, because all we get in this is the idea that Batman has to protect this mob lawyer, because now the mob wants to get him. You end up where the mob finds this out. Oh, my God. Now, in my mind, the mob, number one, would be very pissed off that they paid this guy, and he wasn't even a real lawyer, though, if he, if he got him off, he got him off, but... Is that another thing, too? I keep thinking, are those trials and everything that went on, are they valid now? Do they have to go? I'm no lawyer. I'm no small-town lawyer here. But is that a thing? Because it seems like there'd be more involved than just him going on the stand, where if anybody goes on the stand, you end up so... Couldn't you just have this guy be an informant that you're going to cover? But you end up having Mark Russell wants to get a little fancy with him. I think it gets a little too far because it ends up being intriguing, but then it's not. Because you end up having Gordon say, we need to get him downtown. We need to protect him. He is going to testify against the mob, all the mob, it seems. I mean, all of them. Why don't we have both? He yells. Uh, But there is... Somebody in the GCPD, there's moles in the GCPD. There are bad seeds. They're bad cops. They're corrupt cops. And Gordon knows this, so all he can trust is Batman. Now, Batman is supposed to go and take this Jenks, this lawyer, across town, take him to the GCPD, take him to the precinct, the central precinct, and give him to Sergeant Foley. Sergeant Foley, who you end up seeing where 
Gordon says, I trust him implicitly. He's a guy who's been on the... The thing is, though, you've already told us there's bad guys, there's corrupt cops. You're only ever dealing with one cop by name, and this is the guy that you're supposed to hand off the lawyer to. You know he's the bad cop. You know this guy's bad right away. I mean, really, that's all you're centering on. So, yeah, I think he's bad. And you know what? Spoiler alert. He is he is bad, and that's what we're going to get. So you. you end up where Batman's like, okay, well, I'm going to take this Jenks. We're going to, well, in the meantime, you end up having Nightwing show up. You end up even where they say, hey, you know, the mob, they hired all these people. I mean, everybody's coming out of the woodwork to kill this Jenks, and you get to see Harley. And it's, it really feels like, I don't know, even like a trailer. For a movie, you're not really getting the full movie here. There's not enough space. You're getting the trailer, so it's like, and then, and wait till you see the guest stars at Nightwing. Hey there, bats! I'm swinging around, and then Harley. Oh man, look at me! I'm going after this, and you don't get enough from it. Well, you end up having a police guard around Cicero Jenks before Batman goes and picks him up, and you get almost like a play on the disappearing Batman with Gordon, where here these guys are protecting the lawyer. There's a knock on the door like, oh, Batman said not to trust anybody. Okay, we're just going to go out. One, two, three, go. Nobody's at the door. And then when they turn around, Jenks is gone. The lawyer is gone because Batman has come in and scooped them up and taken them out. So he's driving them around. And this is where you need, even though I said there's not enough room to tell the full story, it does still seem that you end up having Mark Russell needing to fill some space. He ends up putting this lawyer into a body bag that actually is a Kevlar bag. It's in flat. You end up, it's fireproof, bulletproof, all these things. It's everything proof where he is protected while he's driving in the Batmobile. As he goes, it does end up where all these people are gearing up to go after Batman to get this guy. And they try to blow up the Batmobile they can't. The Batmobile's pretty tough. Well, then Harley comes in with a giant, giant. she's, you know, on a wrecking ball. She's singing. I wish she was. That'd be funny. But it, it hits the Batmobile, knocks it over. Batman's gone. Batman and Harley fight. Then they get separated. They fight later. Batman is fighting people with flamethrowers, nunchucks. All this time, Nightwing showed up and like, hey, I don't really like getting beat up. So I don't think I'm going to join in with you. But he kind of disappears. So they're doing all this stuff. Batman's going all around. And you end up, again, Harley shows up again. You're going to get goofy little fights there with her. And then by the end, you end up having Batman taking the body of Jenks and carrying him like a sack of potatoes, taking him to Sergeant Foley outside the courthouse, which isn't really what they said before. Plus, you were supposed to go in, but that's fine. He's like, all right, hey, can I have? Foley, you know, can I have uh, Jenks? Yes, you can, Foley. Here you go, and I'm out of here. Batman out, zips away, and then, like idiots, you end up having Sergeant Foley, these guys uh, around, start talking their plan. Oh, man, that Batman, what an idiot. I mean, we already sold the mob a bunch of police radios, and now we're going to have this body. We're going to be able to retire. We're going to. Now, the other thing about this is you're gonna, you are messing with Batman. If if anything from this point on happens to Jenks, the lawyer, Batman's coming for your butt. You're in big trouble. But he says, we're going to be on a beach. We're going to be, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to be millionaires. Opens up the bag, and it's Dick Grayson, Nightwing, who just 
pops the guy right in the face. He ends up just punching Sergeant Foley and like, hey, it was them. The only thing that incriminates them is they're talking while they're doing this. Well, then Gordon goes to retrieve Jenks is, you know, Jenks himself. I was going to say his body, but that would make it seem like he's dead. No, Batman has tied him up and gagged him and put him in a garbage can. So you end up having Gordon go and fish him out of the garbage can. Then Jenks is, wasn't happy. They said Jenks wasn't happy about being thrown in the trash, but he's still going to testify. You see him testifying there against the mob. And then Foley, the bad cop, is getting 10 to 15 years for corruption, all that stuff. And then it just ends where Batman says, in the end, all you have is trust. If you can't trust your people, then nothing else matters. And then Nightwing says, you never told me there were flamethrowers. And And even the whole deal, you had through the thing of bats, pigeons, and moles never act right. And this is what's messing things up. It never plays out really well. The narration starting with the idea of survival of the fittest and it's a concrete jungle and all that. It doesn't really play out. Really, like I said, it's one of those where you don't have enough time to think about, oh, my God, who's the mole? Oh, my God. And things just happen. Batman obviously knew and even says where Gordon says, I never thought Foley was a bad cop. Obviously, Batman didn't. You set this stuff up behind the scenes to be the surprise near the end. And it's kind of a poor steal. It's not horrible. It's not something that you would end up getting angry about. It just you would need more. And I think that Mark Russell's doing a better job with the Swamp Thing digital stuff. And he's able to tell the stories he wants to tell. I think that he understands Batman. I couldn't say he has Batman's voice because Batman rarely says anything in these issues. Dick Grayson shows up. It's nice to see not Rick Grayson, actual Dick Grayson. That You get props there. But it, it seems like he just he's doing Batman to do Batman. These were for those Walmart Giants things. But it doesn't seem like he really has anything interesting to say. He's trying to with this narration saying, you know, big lofty things. But when you get into the issues, even the issue last time that I talked about it with the people at the whole deal, Bruce's billionaire friends that are jerk offs and like they're Harvey Weinstein's and Jeffrey Epstein's type deal. But by the end, you end up having Joker going and you don't even know what the hell's going on with it. So. Yeah, I think that he's having problems. Like He just doesn't have a Batman story that really is interesting to tell. But I'm going to go and finish up with the last issue. And this is one where, if anybody was quizzed, I actually have enjoyed Gail Simone's Flash enough. But I do think the the book that's been consistently the best is the Superman Man of Tomorrow that Robert Venditti's doing. And he had a bunch of one-shots that actually had little tidbits leading to what is now part one of a serialized story an ongoing story what makes a city part one this is and it's written by robert venditti art by or pencils by paul pelletier inks by drew hennessy and colors by adriana lucas and you end up where this is pretty good it's a good setup and why i like this issue is you're going to end up having a issue superman versus lex Luthor, but they're not even on the panel together They're not really even against each other. They are, but they aren't. What this is is Lex kind of stepping up his game, almost doing a, you know, big brother Lex type deal or Robocop, really, and convincing Metropolis that he should be the hero. And with that, though, you also get more of Superman as Clark Kent, as his, you know, reporter deal where 
he's trying. And I actually wish that we got a little more of that because you end up jumping a three-week span at one point where Lois and Clark are investigating Lex and trying to figure out what is going on and if he's on the up and up. And I would have liked to have seen a little more. And I know that these are quick issues, so maybe you can. But I would have liked to have seen more of the reporter, Clark Kent, doing the big work, doing the legwork here, because I think that Ben Diddy, in the little bit we get, I really like his Clark Kent. I really like his Clark Kent and Lois. Now, Ben Diddy knows what he's doing. He knows how to write an issue. He knows how to give people what they want with each issue. And I'm not saying that every issue is great, but every issue he does, he does know. And I think that this must be something that he sets out. Like even Hawkman, when he's doing that, he must sit there and say, Okay, what do people want? And okay, they want Hawk, Hawk Woman and Hawk Man kissing. All right, we'll do that. Whether it fits a. And so in these Superman stories, he does have, you know, these little fan service moments each time, whether it's a side character that shows up. Titano is there at the beginning. That's pretty cool, right? And plus, it looks awesome. Paul Pelletier's art is great in this to the point where. It is well above and beyond anything that you would really think of as a 99-cent digital book like this. It's really, really good. But also, you know, you have Lex, who is there, and you, you get some good Lex moments. But you end up having a Lois and Clark moment that I think is the the deal where he's trying to, to get people. But you do start out with Superman fighting Titano in the middle of Metropolis. And I'm not going to tell you that Superman is being careful that buildings and, and machinery and cars and things aren't getting destroyed because they are. And it actually bothers me that that is happening. I wish that he would have grabbed Titano and took him out of the city, but that wouldn't work for what we're doing here because Titano, he ends up beating Superman. I mean, and I say beating, I mean beating into the ground. He is just destroying him. As you end up having Lex through a LexCorp uh, camera, that's on every corner he's watching. Again, it's the big brother thing, which just Lex there, and he's watching. He's, you know, rubbing. He looks like the thinker. He's there. And he's like, okay, well, looks like the launch date has arrived. Again, another surprise launch. Everybody's surprised launching things. They, they, really, they really do think they're like Kendrick Lamar. You end up here with Lex there. Okay, this is where we go. Titanos, well, okay, press this button. All of a sudden, the cameras that we already saw where he's looking at things going through, they turn into laser guns, and then pretty much in my mind, with the Robocop voice, super villain, threat detected, and then they just fire and bring down Titano. They end up, you know, pretty much, I, I would say that they kill him, but it doesn't look like they actually kill him. It just looks like they end up knocking him out, though later we're going to want to believe these things are lethal. Well, you end up having Superman go, and I think that a cool thing is, and I thought what was happening was Superman went up to look into these things, and I wonder if he did, because he doesn't. It's off on the side and ends up transforming, and it's back into being a camera. It's only a double. It's not a triple changer here. And so Superman looks. I wish that Superman went and looked into the camera right away and to see if Lex has it set that Superman is a threat detected right away but he ends up superman's looking everybody's like what happened oh my god you know that LexCorp thing there it turned from a camera into a gun and it shot titano and it saved us when superman couldn't oh man that's great everybody's in i'm telling you people would go nuts about this i don't think they'd like it but we're gonna go with it that 
you end up having a world where there's supervillain threats. You are going to allow some things, the little corners to be cut here. And you end up having Superman like Lex Corp, and he's pissed. And they go off. You go to the next day to the Daily Planet where the story is out now. And the story is anti-supervillain partnership between Metropolis and Lex Corp revealed. And you have the picture of Titano on the cover. And it's funny because you end up having Perry asking Jimmy, hey, Jimmy, you know, what's the best paper in the world? Jimmy's like, well, it's the Daily Planet, Mr. White. He's such a he's such a butt kisser. He's the yes man, Jimmy. Here, uh, okay, who are the two lead reporters here? Uh, you know these people now. Lois and Clark are standing right there. Uh, uh Mr. Lane, Miss Lane, and Mr. Kent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they're here. They get paid for that. Why didn't you have this story? Now, the thing that got me when I read this. You got the story there. It's, I actually thought he was going to pick it, and it was another paper that got the story in general. They got the story. He's just mad they didn't have it a week ago. Uh, but it, it was a surprise drop there. Nobody knew that Drake's album was coming out. I, I didn't see it. But you end up there where they're like, oh, my God, yeah. And he says, you get on it now. Figure out what's going on. Figure out why this is allowed. All these things. In the meantime, you know that Lois and Clark want to look into this anyway because of the idea that a Lex Luthor-funded deal that shoots lasers from a transforming camera that's on every corner. Yeah, that that might be dangerous, though. They do end up in Superman in a good turn that Ben Diddy does. Superman sits there and thinks to himself, you know, am I just jealous because, you know, those things ended up defeating Titano when I couldn't? Because really, I was down for the count, and people were going to get hurt. Now, with all this, you do expect to find out that Titano showed up because of, like, you know, all that stuff that probably was set up anyway. But you end up at this point where Lois and Clark just they have to. And I like this. This is a reporter thing. And this is where where Brian Michael Bendis has the Superman reveals the identity and also Clark Kent, the reporter, where you should have these things already in the Bendis run. The idea of. Is my Superman thing skewing me actually looking at the story unbiased? That a news reporter should be unbiased. And is that Superman part of me, you know, kind of skewing things where I hear Lex and immediately think evil. Doesn't matter what. Now, really, we, we probably know that Lex is evil, though. That might be the twist at the end. But, yeah, I really like that play there of you're, you're seeing that you know divide between superman and clark kent and how these things can make things blurry for either or and that is something where lois is there for him and again she says we're we're going to look into this we will make sure and when he says you think i'm just jealous you, th- you think that's why am i am i kind of a jerk thinking this and she says oh smallville you are you aren't selfish you wouldn't even know where to start it isn't, you know, it is possible that this is pure evil, but yeah, it's also possible that Lex is trying to help the city. He is strange. She says stranger things have happened, but right now we just have to look at the story. We're going to go report. We're going to go do this. Let's go figure this out. And when we do, we'll make sure we get the right story. And then in the, what I think is the fan service moment though, is where, Superman says to Lois, they're they're on an aside, you know, in the corner there, and like, you know what, Lois? If people knew you're married to Superman, they'd assume I'm the strength in the relationship. They'd be dead wrong. And then 
You have Lois say, you're a lucky guy. Your your wife has brains and brawn. And they kind of chuckle and they go off and she says, let's chase our story. And they go off. And again, I like the uh, Lois is a better reporter than Clark. And, and really the idea that most of Clark's, it really does come to play in the idea of identity where a lot of his stories are from being Superman. So I like, though, that there's Lois is like, let's go. And Lois is there to tell Clark what she thinks and, and to actually guide him through where he's, you know, kind of doubting himself and things like that because, I mean, it's Lois Lane. She's the greatest. So they end up going and they are going to chase down the story. You end up seeing a montage. This is where I wish that we saw more of the things going on. I would have loved to have seen, and maybe we'll get something a little later, but I would have loved to have seen at this point Clark Kent sitting down interviewing Lex Luthor. That would be awesome. And, you you know, you've had this before, but it'd be cool in this. And there's always the play where Lex would be pissed because he wanted to talk to Lois Lane, the more famous reporter. But as we go, they're not finding anything bad. It's three weeks later. They're not finding much bad. They're trying to figure out. But you end up where Superman, there's some things creeping into his life here that don't make much sense to him. He loves Metropolis. He's Superman. He's Metropolis' protector, but also the world and the universe, everything. But he gets a call, and I love how he's there, and he's everybody else is around, so he can't say things really loud. And he's like, yeah, I got a call from a, a, a colleague, Wade Quank. His name, you know, The Flash. And he said that Prankster was caught in Central City. Flash ended up catching Prankster in Central City. And that's not his beat. His usual beats Metropolis. What's he doing? And you end up having him say, oh, prankster. Because Lois is right there. Prankster? He's a Metropolis supervillain. Yep. He confessed to the police. He said that, you know, things aren't going great here for bad guys in Metropolis. So he, he skedaddled. He went to Central City. And really, prankster going to say, it fits. I mean, he fits right in. So, But he says, you know, this LexCorp stuff, Lex is, is chasing the bad guys. Out of town. Now you're going to get to this point because he says, looks like Superman's out of a job. And you get another little side deal of, you know, would Superman be upset? Because obviously he wants a safe and peaceful metropolis. But does he want that with him being the hero? And now it's not. And he does look depressed. He looks really depressed with this. And I, Yep, looks like Superman's out of a job. I actually thought, you know, you should probably go to Gotham. There is a lot to spare there. A lot of Gotham's spilling over the cup. You know, the the cup is full and then some. But you end up, he's like, I don't know. Well, Lois is like, no, no, we're we're still, you know, going after the story and stuff. And plus, you know, I'm I'm a lot better. So I'm going to continue typing and writing up my story. You look, you look pretty hungry. You go to the diner. I'll meet up with you. And you end up having Clark go out. He's just walking, moping down the street. And you see this piece of crap guy. And and it's funny because you want to have a way that somebody has broken the law, but not bad enough to warrant, you know, capital punishment, but bad enough that these cameras would go into effect. And what this guy ends up doing, he, he runs out on a check. He he dines and dashes like a jerk, and he goes out. I, I would have probably went jaywalking myself, but this guy comes around. And it, 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 first off, I don't know what this restaurant's thinking because it does look like maybe it's a fancier restaurant. I'm looking. It, it looks fancy enough. This guy comes out. He's not shaven. 
He's wearing what appears to be sweatpants and a hoodie that is dirty as hell. This this hoodie makes mine look clean. I mean, really. And, and that takes a lot, especially in, in a shutdown like this in a quarantine. This guy looks homeless and he comes out where, help, thief. I'm like, well, why do you let this guy in? And he comes out. And I guess that that's me being a piece of crap. You should feed everyone, you know, maybe. But he comes out and the surveillance camera goes in. Super villain threat. Now, again, super villain threat. This isn't a super villain threat. Uh, detected. And he's like, what? No. Crime, robbery. You must go. I'm um, awesome. Oh, 3000. There's all of that there. And you end up having Clark like run over. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop this guy. He just ran out on a bill. I mean, he's a piece of crap, but he ain't no supervillain. No. And he jumps in front of the guy. And then this deal with a lot of Kirby Crackle goes off and shoots a laser. The laser does end up hitting Clark right in the chest. Now, are these things we, we saw Titano get hit and brought down, but he didn't look to be bleeding from the blast, really. And I couldn't say he was dead or whatnot. So I don't really know what these that's one of the things I wish that there was a discussion like, well, they are non-lethal lasers, but boy, somebody gets hit the wrong way and they could die. like something like that, because what ends up happening with Clark getting hit, maybe ripping his clothes in a sexy way, his clothes. And he's got the Superman outfit. But in my mind, him not dying, it says neutralizing. It does not say killing, but it's one of those where Clark kept getting hit. However, he reacts. These are also cameras that Lex might be watching or being able to see the footage where, huh, this reporter Clark Kent seems to be a little more than I thought he was. You know, he might be somebody a little more important than, say, Clark Kent. Like, he's kind of super, this man. Like, I wonder if that's going to play him because he does end up jumping and taking the hit for this guy who, you know, just crud. All over his hoodie. I, I mean, I, I really, I feel bad saying this guy shouldn't be allowed in a fancy restaurant, but I know damn well I wouldn't be allowed in a fancy restaurant. There's no way. Plus, I wouldn't go to a fancy. They got that little, little food, you know, the little bits. I don't need little bits. If I want the little bits, you know, my fanciest little bit I'm going to get are those little pizza bagels, right? <laughs> That's little bits. I don't need that. I wonder if that place would have pizza bagels. I need big bits. I need a big pizza bagel, not a little pizza bagel. That's the weirdest thing, too, because those little pizza bagels I'm talking about, they're so little. Why did you have to shrink the bagels? What happened? But, yeah, so we'll see what's going on. But I do like this a lot. I actually do like this. I'm giving it a 9.2 out of 10. Just a couple little tidbits that uh, kind of annoy me. Plus, it's just setting up the issue. But I really do enjoy it. I really do enjoy seeing the Clark Kent being a focus. Also seeing Lois kick butt, all that. And the idea that Superman, he might be getting a little jealous of Lex here. And he might want to find out if this is on the up and up more for personal reasons more than. But even Lois does say, you don't have a selfish bone in your body. But does he have a jealous one? We will find out. Ah, yes, but that is the end of the episode. And I I hope I gave a score for Batman. I'm thinking now, as I was saying that score, did I give a score for it? Because I think I wanted to give it a 6 out of 10. So remind me and tell me if I did. But here we are with this. And yeah, this is the best one I thought of the week and something very intriguing and something that I'm very impressed with Venditti, who sometimes I end up saying, 
plays things a little too safe and a little too generic. I like this a lot. So we'll see as this goes on next week when I am back with a little more of these kind of a shorter podcast with these side books. Now, next week, we do end up having the Terrifics number 27 coming back. And if I'm not mistaken, that is the last print of it. And then you'll finish with 28, 29, and 30 going digital only to finish off the series. And the Terrifics is something that we haven't talked about a while on the big podcast, but I may end up talking about that. I will definitely be back with Deceased Hope at World's End number two. And I'll continue most likely with this Superman story as well. And maybe some more. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. But thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you like these kind of side deals with just me. A little quicker, a little more to the point. You know, no cursing, nothing like that. And not Eric. That's the big plus, right? Is that the big plus? But I want to remind everybody to come back on Sunday night. And listen to the main podcast where this week we're going to be talking about new books that are Wonder Woman and Red Hood Outlaw and also some of the old classics still. This will be pretty much the last two weeks of the classics. We're going to get a lot more books coming up. Once June hits, especially a lot more books will be hitting from D.C. each and every week. And we'll be covering most of them through this podcast and the main one, but also Go over to our Patreon if you would like to and check things out where we do talk about a lot of other things, a lot of other comic book podcasts. And I I think that we give you a good bang for your buck. So if you want to check that out, patreon.com slash weird science, you can check it out for free. You go over there, sign up. And if you don't like what you hear, you just end up quitting before the next month and you'll never be charged. It's just a free trial for you to check out. But I'd like people to be able to do that, to be able to check out and see if it's worth something before they end up putting their hard-earned money down, especially during all these crazy times. But thanks, everybody, and I'll talk to you later.